Welcome back to How to Tickle Yourself. I am your host, Duff McDonald, along with my co-host, Joey of Rockledge. We cannot believe our senses over here at How to Tickle Yourself today because we're about to interview a singer-songwriter who literally lights our souls on fire. His name is Andrew Combs. Andrew released an EP in 2010 and his first album, Worried Man, in 2012. It was an auspicious start. Since then, he has graced us with four more. All These Dreams in 2015, Canyons of My Mind in 2017, Ideal Man in 2019, and an album called Sundays in 2022. When we get in the car these days, Andrew's is pretty much the only music I will play. Save for... William Tyler's Highway <laughs> Anxiety, which always seems appropriate. The best part is it doesn't matter which album of Andrews we put on because we love them all. Texas-born and Nashville-based, Andrew writes about love as beautifully as any songwriter I have ever heard. But he also writes about the nature of existence. He's got what you might call searching lyrics. It sounds as if he's trying to find something, the secret of it all. He also sings like an angel with a timeless voice. I think he sounds like the 1970s. And I mean that in a good way. But that just might be the fact that I'm also a child of the 70s. <laughs> in any event, he's been on quite the artistic journey from straightforward country folk to orchestral accompaniment to indie singer-songwriter to rock and roll impressionist to outright songwriting experimentalism with his latest album, Sundays, during which he entered the studio with a producer and musician friend every Sunday to record a song he'd written that week. He's also quite the painter. Check out his site, andrewcombsmusic.com, for a sample of that. But let me cut this short so we can talk to Andrew. Joey and I saw Andrew play with Caitlin Rose in New York not that long ago. The show was amazing. So amazing that Joey ambushed him outside <laughs> afterward and asked him to join us here on How to Tickle Yourself. And here we are. We are not stalkers. We are not stalkers. We are simply super fans. Welcome to the show, Andrew. We are beyond thrilled to talk to you. Thanks for having me and thanks for such kind words. Oh, we love you. <laughs> present moment traveling town to town the mystery of the motion right here right now right here right now whoa right here right now all right i got a question to start your albums, when we play them, and I tend to play them all the way through, have a coherence that is reminiscent to me of a different time when before the splintering of everything. Uh, and I love listening to them all, all the way through. So my question for you is, what is your favorite all the way through album? <laughs> uh, of mine or in general? In general. Okay. Um, 
luckily enough, I have my record collection right next to me. <laughs> ah, that's tough. Um, you know, I listen to so many different kinds of music. Um, this might sound off the wall, but Steely Dan's Can't Buy Thrill, I think right. is, is my desert island record um, <laughs> because I love it from top to bottom. Um, you know, but I, I love Christopherson and Towns and um, some of those old folky country guys. And I think those records are pretty well put together. Um, but also, you know, like Fleetwood Mac, they did a good job of that mm -hmm. freaking Radiohead. I don't know. Like, they're just, <laughs> it's hard to, to you can't to do a favorite. One. Yeah. <laughs> to do like top well, five. My, for years, <laughs> mine was blonde on blonde, right? I yeah. just, it, to me, it was like a complete, a complete package. All right. Mm -hmm. On that note, I have a related question. Um, your albums have such distinct um ethos to them and i'm asking you this as a, a out of complete ignorance because i obviously have no idea about it how hard is it to take the sound in your head and get it on a record because <laughs> dylan talked about blonde on blonde and he famously said he was trying to get that thin wild mercury sound yeah right and what's crazy is if you listen to it you know exactly what he's talking about he yeah. did it. How mm -hmm. hard is that as an artist to get that from here into the ears that we're listening to? It's extremely hard. Um, I think the closest I've come to it was with Sundays. Um, that that record was exactly the way. Well, I didn't really even plan it. It just kind of organically happened. And while I was writing the songs each week, the sort of sound started morphing into something in my head. And then by the end of it, we looked back upon it. And I think even Jordan Lenning, who co-produced it with me, said, this is the closest thing we've ever come to like actually executing what we talked about the sound should be. Um, usually you go into something with a reference <clears throat> or you know, sound in your head and it ends up being something different. And, and then, and that's okay. You hone in on what that different thing is and you make it the best you can. But um, with Sundays, it was so organic and it was coming from such a like real place in my life that I guess it just couldn't help itself. But uh, so, I have a question actually about that. Um, mm -hmm. Like when we saw you recently, you spoke of like your, uh, your, you had kind of a, I consider a spiritual awakening or maybe you consider it a spiritual awakening, but um, of seeing yourself. Um, and that's, we talk about this sort of thing here all the time, like waking up and seeing things in a different way. Can you tell us a little bit about that, about like what happened in your awakening? Um. I at the end or at the beginning of 2021, I mean, for all intents and purposes, I had a 
minor mental breakdown. I don't want to say like, like I wasn't admitted or anything, you know, but I sought medical attention and was sort of crippled like mentally for a week or two, just like hard to get out of bed and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I also started meditating at the same point um, as being medicated, which is funny because my buddy tells me, uh, he's like, well, why'd you start at the same time? Because you don't know which one's working. <laughs> Do but all the things. They're, they're both working. So I just kept, kept them both in my life. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm always looking for uh, a deeper sense of self or mindfulness or spirituality. Um, it's something that interests me and keeps me going. And I feel like the best person, partner, artist, father, when I am my most grounded. Um, and so whatever I can do to achieve that or, or try to, and I never actually get there. I don't think anyone actually does, um, but can try to. Um, whenever I'm doing that, I, I feel best about myself and my life. So I just try and do that all the time. And so I don't know if it was really a spiritual awakening more <laughs> so than just another moment for me to dig deeper, you know? Right. I watched this documentary once and there was a, a woman who she later became a monk and she was describing what happened to her when she sort of had an awakening and the person interviewing her said um, that it sounded a lot like she had a mental breakdown. And she's like, you could look at it that way. She's like, except that the difference is that everything in her life got better after that, rather than everything in her life getting worse. Like that moment was an invitation for things to get better and to change and to go in a good direction. Like she said, mm -hmm. her relationships got better. Everything in her life moved in a better way. Was that true for you or was it yeah was every yeah yeah for sure um definitely better in terms of like my familial relationships um and and friends too uh also to an extent you know just figuring out who's really important and who i want to spend time with and uh, the places that I don't need to go just to feel included, you know, I, I don't, mm -hmm. that's very vague, but um, yeah. Makes sense. I think it's gotten better. And there's always like peaks and val valleys of that, you yeah. know, so I'm not going to say I've been in pure bliss since then. <laughs> <laughs> that's the goal, right? I mean, <laughs> We got time. We got time. Yeah. We have eternity. All right. I got a, I, I got a more grounded question. You are uh, Dallas born. You've done some recording in New York, but you're basically based in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Tell us what is Nashville for you? Why, why is that the place where you've chosen to live music musically? Yeah. Me, yeah. Cause musically, is different. I mean, I came here because all my heroes came here or came through here at least. 
Um, and I tried my luck at the publishing deal world, which is what all my heroes did too, where you write songs for other people. I did that for six years and it was fun. Then I got burnt out on it, but um, it's just, it's a good place that is for a musician to be that is not New York and not LA. Um, and it's, it was affordable. It's getting to be unaffordable. <laughs> um, the musicians are the best in the world and, um, I'll stand by that. Great writers. Um, the business was here. I mean, it's all the sort of cliche answers, but, um, there definitely is a community aspect too, which is nice. Now, now that I'm uh, with family, I don't go out as much. So I, I, you know, I'm not immersed in that as much, but um, I'm, I'm sure it's bubbling up in the younger crowd as well. Um, Cause it, it was when I was, when I first came to town, it was one great. of one of our favorite uh, recent discoveries is an is a New Yorker turned Nashville uh, uh, songwriter, Aaron Lee Tasjam. Oh yeah, him? yeah, he's amazing. He was he's so fantastic, much fun, right? Did you guys get to interview him? No, we but yet. we we should. We want oh, to. You, you totally should. He is like the best. I his show. We saw him. Um, at a really tiny little spot in New York. And he, it just blew my mind. He was so entertaining. It wasn't, wasn't just the music. Like he's hysterical. Like he was so oh, much yeah. fun. Yeah. He's a mat. He's like, he's magic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Says the so, magician. So are you. Yeah. All right. I want, I'm, I'm, I'm going to start talking about some of my favorite Andrew Combs songs and it's hard. <laughs> it's hard to make a short list. Rose colored blues. One of my favorite songs of my entire life. <laughs> I have probably listened to that song 500 times. Yeah. Can you tell us about it? <laughs> that song is, um, I had that title and I thought it was the coolest title ever. And I was sitting around with it. And I even asked Jordan, the guy I work with a lot, if he wanted to try writing it with me. And he was like, I don't really understand that title. <laughs> I was like, you're, you're lost. Cause this is a good. <laughs> and uh, no, I mean, it's a, it's a romanticized version of like the hobo troubadour lifestyle. And um, you know, it's like hearkening back to the, the sort of Jimmy Webb, uh, Glenn Campbell songs and um I just wanted I wanted to write something like that. It's it's nothing too personal. Um, you know, I, I guess there's always a little bit of me and everything, but um, that one was definitely just like a story created in my mind. I think for me, I think it's probably Stars of Longing. I love oh, cool. that song. And one of the lyrics is it's only love, which is sort of my personal philosophy. Um, yeah. But it starts with uh, Stars of Longing. And it's like my teacher says that it's your longing for something that really does the work. Like that's what drives you and pushes you is when you have that sort of longing. And like she says all longing is really like for divine truth and to know God. Um, it just comes in different ways. So I can look and see that that's sort of like foreshadowing, it seems like in your life, like in terms of your growth and your spiritual growth. 
does your music music actually show you any like stuff about yourself that you didn't know is like does it show you just kind of what's going on that you might not even be aware of i think so for sure yeah i think my music and my painting and i think yeah that's a tough question to answer because I'll say yes, but I don't really know how to explain it. Um, Is it something you can look back and see? Like when you look back, like I can look back at um, so many things in my life, like the relationships in my life always showed me kind of where I was, even though I didn't know it at the time. You know, it's like a, it just re reveal something to me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there are echoes in um, Ideal Man of where I ended up on Sundays, I think for sure. Um, and even as far back as probably all these dreams, you know, with the sort of spiritual seeking out of a song like Rainy Day song. Also, also one of your greatest, or sorry, <laughs> one of my most played Andrew Combs songs. Love it, love it, love it. Well, that was a fun one, but, and I, it was co-written, and that was like the only co-write I've ever done where it it literally felt like we each wrote, it was like a literal 50-50. Wow. Um, okay. I, Who was I, that with? Brent Cobb. Okay. Do you know his music? No. He's We're great. about to. Yeah, he's great. And and he, re he released his version of that, too. Oh, that, wow. Okay. He called it Shine On Rainy Day. And that was the name of his first record. Um, Bren is a, a beautiful person and probably the realist like of the young generation in Nashville. He lives in Georgia now, but he was in Nashville. Um, I mean, he's he's just like he's a real country singer, like um in the same vein as like a christopherson or something like real redneck poet kind of thing um you have a i like in seeing some interviews and reviews of your stuff they mention some of your influences that you've mentioned like towns van zandt and christopherson i hear a little graham parsons mm. you graham parsons fan yeah i liked him i never like i never could get super into his vocals but um, yeah, I mean, him, the myth and the legend of him is cool and stuff. I started to gravitate away from people like that. Um, and I say like that, I mean like destructive artists. Ended in a blaze of glory of yeah. drugs and death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, him and Towns and, you know, a lot, I mean, a lot, to be fair, a lot of people in, from that generation, um, just because I was glorifying it so much at a earlier age and just decided at some point that if I want to live long and prosper, <laughs> I don't want to be that way. <laughs> All right. What about, what about Caitlin Rose? Uh, I told you when we uh, talked to you outside your show that I think that um, Spotify, we know you from Spotify from 10 years ago or so. And I'm, pretty sure that it's because we were listening to the stand-in so much. I think Spotify gave us you because Caitlin, 
You guys have played a bunch together for years. Uh, and the show at Mercury Lounge, like clearly it was hard to tell whose band was who and what was going on. Can you tell us about working with her and singing with her and stuff? She's she's phenomenal, too. Yeah. Um, Caitlin's one of my old pals from my first years in Nashville. And um, she grew up here, so she's one of the few locals. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I was just always drawn to her songs and her voice, of course. Um, got to know each other. She started taking me overseas because she does really well overseas. And um, I would open up and then I'd play in her band. So I really have her to thank for um, for me being able to go over there now. Um, I don't know. I love Caitlin. She's like crazy individual. and is so fun to be around and tour with um we have a lot of the same you know things we like um we don't see each other a lot now but when we do it's always a good time and yeah i I don't know she's she's just great (laughs) you guys together it was magical like it was so beautiful like it it just blew us it blew us both away yeah, we, she's funny. We wanna, yeah, she's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> she is uh, something else with her banter. But mm-hmm. um, we uh, we've been talking about maybe recording some stuff together because we do. Oh, my yeah. God. Do it. <laughs> after every night of that. Please. Show, after every night of that tour, people were like, why don't y'all make a record or an EP together? So we've been talking about it. Um, we're just both busy. And- everything yeah. you both they have such complimentary voices like you both are beautiful beautiful singers and it just it really is magical like you should definitely do something yeah i know <laughs> are you it's always are, just a matter of time and money you know it's just yeah. like when can we do it? are you uh did you your your voice is uh your singing voice um it's one of the most beautiful singing voices I've ever heard. And I'm not exaggerating. Are you, are you a trained singer? How did you get that? <laughs> no, no. In fact, I, I can't even listen to my early stuff cause it's so different. Um, I just decided that I wanted to get better and better and better. And I, listened and learned from friends who I think are really good singers, uh, like technically. Um, my I have a really close friend, Erin Ray. I don't know if you know her music, but if you don't, you should definitely check it out. Um, she sings beautifully, but so soft. And then I did a tour with Casey Musgraves and her band leader at the time, Misa, who also sings, they both sing incredibly in great harmonies and they sing so soft. We would like hang out afterwards, um, you know, just like playing songs in the green room or at a, you know, a hotel or whatever. And I was always so amazed because I really had to lean in to listen to them. (laughs) And I was like, maybe I need to incorporate it because I always thought, when I'm playing live, I just got my voice has to be louder than the band. Like I wasn't <laughs> even thinking about 
the sound engineer, like, you know, doing his art and making it all work. Um, so I just started to sing quieter. And when I started to sing quieter, I could have more control about what I do. I can do the falsetto thing. And um, so to answer your question, I, I was, I haven't been trained, but I just kind of figured out what I wanted to sound like and just kept singing. <laughs> you know what? You just reminded me. I interviewed M Ward like 20 years ago. And I said to him, I was like, where does this whole sort of, uh, under your breath thing <laughs> come from? And he said that he, uh, was prac early practicing was in his parents' house downstairs. And he was literally <laughs> trying to keep quiet <laughs> and it turned into th the way that he sings. Yeah. Right. Well, and he has cool. this quiet control, right. Yeah. In, hi in yeah. his singing too. Life just sort of guides you, right. Just directs you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. If, if you surrender to it, sometimes that that's the best way to be. Okay. You On that note, have you read this? <laughs> I, I listened to it. Holy smokes. Yeah. Okay. As a creative artist, does it land with you? Like the way it, like, this lands yeah. hard for me. Yeah, yeah, it landed. Sorry, and listeners, I'm talking about Rick Rubin's The Creative <laughs> Act, A Way of Being, if you can't see this. Okay, sorry. No, no, it's okay. Um, yeah, I always thought of him as um, maybe a bit uh, fluffy, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know, just like new agey. Which I don't know why I have anything against that. Uh, it, <laughs> I had the same feeling. I did too. <laughs> a little but woo -woo. it's legit. It's totally legit. <laughs> it's totally legit. Like where he's coming from is so cool. And now I've started listening to like his podcast and stuff. Uh, the re is it revisionist history or no broken record? It's the Malcolm Gladwell and him podcast. Okay. Okay. Anyways, it's really cool and. Yeah, it, I mean, I kind of feel the same way about that book as I felt about uh, David Lynch's uh, Catching the Big Fish or whatever it's called, um, where he talks about uh, meditation <laughs> and creative, uh, the creative outlook to life. Okay, I have to ask this just because it's uh, <laughs> also one of the house favorites. Have you ever seen What Did Jack Do? No. David Lynch. Oh, my God. It's you a 20 minute, it it's a 20 minute, uh, movie on Netflix, okay. 20 minutes. What did Jack do? Perfect. We're going to, we're going to leave it there. We're going to leave it there. <laughs> and that's a wanna, Lynch directed David thing? Lynch directed and acted. Okay, yeah. cool. I love Lynch. I, I like Lynch more than I like his movies to be like I, I I've come to that conclusion for a while. I was like, yeah, I love his movies. But then I just started thinking about, I was like, I think I like the person more than his movies. I mean, I love, you know, Twin Peaks. Come on. That was yeah, great. Eraserhead's hard for me to get through, you know, and so yeah. his movies get so long. I'm like, oh, give me an hour and a half, man. <laughs> what did Jack do is easy. Definitely. Yeah. Do. No, but and his it's like stuff a puzzle. About 
his stuff about the ocean of consciousness is uh, is to, yeah, to yeah, your yeah, earlier yeah. point. That's that's he is. Um, when I wrote, oh, I'm sorry, we, I have a a book here that should have been mailed to you a while ago. But when I wrote Tickled, uh, I came down one morning. This is in 2020. And I was surfing the web doing something. And I caught that one of the things where he's giving a talk in like Boston or something. And he talks about the ocean of consciousness. And I ran upstairs and I said to Joey, this is what is happening inside my head. He just described what I'm feeling here. So very much onto something like a creative genius, but I agree with you. His it's the idea of David Lynch. It sits above the actual execution <laughs> of some David Lynch movies. I mean, I, I, yeah, like collectively his, his, uh, you know, whatever you call it, all of his art is, um, his catalog or whatever is beautiful and his paintings are amazing, but like him as a person and his ideas, are just otherworldly. All right. Speaking of painting, uh, you have some beautiful paintings on your site. That's all I know of it from seeing it. Um, is that, is that another half of you? Is that another quarter of you? Like, are you, do you (laughs) consider yourself a painter and sorry, that's kind of a stupid question. Like (laughs) what, what, like, what is painting in the in the artistic sort of constellation of Andrew Combs? What does it represent? Because you've painted paintings that go along with songs to go yeah. with albums. Yeah. Um, well, it's it's the percentage of me is growing as we speak, becoming a painter. I mean, I started when my wife was pregnant with our first kid, so seven years ago i guess ish and um it's always been something that i've been drawn to i grew up my parents are both designers interior and graphic and we went to museums that's what we did on the weekend like we would drive to fort worth and go to all the museums uh so it's part of me but i never really grasped onto it um and i love it so much and it it's insane how it's started to inform my songwriting um just i used to be so structured when it came to songwriting i think the publishing world ingrained that in me but nowadays i look at songs more like an abstract painting and then seeing little parts of the painting become something figurative or you know whatever and i now i i look at songs like that too um i love it i it's something i do probably when i am home i do probably four or five nights a week when the kids go to bed um and i have a solo show next year that i'm prepping for wow yeah. where is that in Nashville? It's here. it's here yeah um and i have to have 18 at least 18 pieces so i'm just working on that and what is have- what what is homemade paper is that homemade- you make that paper <laughs> i didn't make it but a buddy made it um, okay. so you just get pulp basically 
and they have like a, I, like I a don't resin know. or something on there or anything. It's like this like mesh sieve kind of thing and the paper dries on it. You get it to where you want it. Um, I haven't done many of that. Yeah. My website needs to be updated. <laughs> so, so I went to, um, I'm a huge Dylan fan. Huge. Yeah. And I went to the opening of the, uh, Bob Dylan museum in Tulsa a couple mm-hmm. years ago. If you're ever going through there, well, how is that? It's fucking fantastic. Well, like as a as a sort of window into someone's process, you're not going to see uh, a a more complete thing. They'll take like a song and they'll show you uh, handwritten lyric sheets, uh, videos of recordings, audios of outtakes. Um, it just it's immersive in the truest sense of the word. But he also said he said it's I forget which um what the particular song was. I think it might have been Desire, his album. He said he started someone taught him to start thinking of songs like paintings. Oh wow. So that's mid career even, right? He's already one of the greatest ever. And it only at some point there in the seventies, he started looking at his own tunes as abstract pieces of impressionist work and it sort of did a big shift but yeah. it sounds like what you just said that's so cool um yeah i mean i think that that's what i look for in um other artists that i want to whether it's books or paintings or music like i want to see someone shifting and changing and trying something new and like expanding uh because that's what's interesting like i want to see an arc and i want to like that's what's interesting to me could we commission you to do a painting for the lyric heaven isn't just an island but a universal condition of the heart i love it (laughs) we'd like a painting to go along with that lyric please (laughs) that's uh that's stars of longing right yeah, uh, no, so I thought it was still no. water Sundays. Still water. Okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 It just like grabbed me. I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, I I was I thought maybe it was Stars of Longing because you were talking about that earlier. Mm-hmm. Because the guy, all the new record I wrote by myself, but Stars of Longing I wrote with this guy named Joe Henry, who is not. There's a producer named Joe Henry. It's not that guy. But he is a phenomenal, like deeply spiritual person. He is so interesting. He lives, he's probably close to 80. He lives out in Cal- uh, Colorado by himself on a river, doesn't own a computer, um, barely gets around on a cell phone. And um, he <laughs> wrote like, he was John Denver's best friend and they, they wrote a bunch of songs together. He wrote a song for Frank Sinatra. He just does lyrics. He doesn't do any music. He's an author um, primarily, but he comes to town like once every six months or so. And we, we sit around and write these like super spiritual songs. <laughs> and a couple of them have made Stars of Longing and then uh, Laura Lee, which is on Canyons of My Mind. It's more of a love song, but we have so many that are just like 
I think we're just trying to write uh, like the, the song. perfect song. You're getting close. Yeah. <laughs> You're getting close. <laughs> but uh, he's really interesting and there's not much out there on him, but, um, and I don't know how you would even get him to a Zoom meeting. But he would be someone <laughs> so fun to talk to. We'll go. We'll go there. <laughs> yeah, you might have. <laughs> All right. So um, we... We have just instituted a new protocol here at How to Tickle Yourself. We are asking our interviewees to give us two things that tickle you right now. And what we mean by that is just those, whether it's a book, uh, a thing you're doing, a place you've been, that gives you that feeling of how awesome it is to be alive. What are two of Andrew Combs' current tickles? Well, first of all, I, and I don't know if I told you guys this when I met you guys in New York, but I have a folder in my computer and on my phone called Tickle Me Elmo. <laughs> and that's where, that's where I put all like my random ideas. So, it, Oh, it, my God. Stars are aligning. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I've been... I've been devouring um, books by Richard Powers, um, who wrote... We wrote the Ova story. I guess that was kind of his uh, blow up moment, but he has a lot of great books. Um, musically, uh, I've been into this one record that my kid also likes a lot. It's called, it's by a guy named Francis Bebe. He's a, uh, I think, Nigerian um, guy, West African in some capacity and uh it's called moana o and it's really beautiful it's like half in french half in the local language half in english so i guess wow. third not half 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 <laughs> but um that one's really beautiful i've been listening to like avant-garde kind of like sun raw kind of stuff just while painting that really sparks something um, yeah, I'd say those are three of recent. Joey, we, we have will... gotten more music recommendations know, from a musician than we've ever got before. <laughs> We're, uh, we apologize in advance if the uh, amount of Andrew Combs plays on Spotify drops, <laughs> but it's your fault. Yeah. Because <laughs> you telling us to listen to all this stuff. Okay, listeners. Um, every single album Andrew has ever put out is stunning. Um, worried man, all these dreams, canyons of my mind, ideal man and Sundays. You are a young, you're young, right? You're in your forties. I'm 36. I'm 36. You're 36. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I feel old. No, no, no. no. <laughs> Um, uh, no. <laughs> phenomenal artist, phenomenal. One of the most beautiful voices ever. Um, uh, like it gets weird when we're interviewing like great musicians here, because I wish that the listener could be instantly forced to listen to the music while I'm trying to describe it. Go listen to it. Everybody. Andrew is, um, 
It's uh, otherworldly talent, but also just you can feel the love through all of it. All of it. All of it. Right, Joey? Yep. You're a conduit. Thank you. Yes. Sure. You're a conduit. You're our favorite current conduit. Andrew Combs, <laughs> thank right, you for right joining down. us. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks thank so you much, for Andrew. everything you do. And we can't wait to hear the next one. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Cheers, man. Bye. Cheers. Oh my God, I am a fanboy. I like him even more now. <laughs> I didn't think it was possible, <laughs> but he's so nice. I he's am such a, a nice fanboy. <laughs> um, he, it, the his his sensitivity and spirituality match the his songwriting and his everything. Yeah, it's no. you know sometimes you run into those people. One of them's <laughs> called Joey of Rockledge. I now I now know another one. His name is Andrew Combs. Uh, again, listeners, do yourself a favor. Stop <laughs> listening to me right now. Stop. Hit pop or stop. Just stop <laughs> and go listen to uh, anything he's done. But our favorites are like what wh where we'll tell you to go in our rose colored blues, stars of longing, uh, the uh, rainy day song. I think it is from all these dreams. Um, and but all the other ones too. Laura Lee, a song he mentioned. It's a <laughs> all beautiful. Of them. Listen yeah, to all, all the songs. <laughs> and also check out his artwork. We will see you in Nashville in May 2024 when I think he's going to have a show. Um, one of my favorites ever. I can't believe we just got to talk to him and hear how his process works and just sort of hear how he does it all. It's amazing. It's inspiring. Whatever. This is why we do this show. Right? Yes, sir. <laughs> All right. So uh, I've got one for you here. And this is, un uh, again, unorthodox. Um, but, uh, you know. That's sort of your thing, right? Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah no, d nobody gets to tell me what to do. Right. <laughs> so uh, Sri Aurobindo, uh, the patron saint of this podcast, our philosophical uh, uh, pole star. Uh, talks about so there's a um, there's a in in uh, Hindu philosophy there they the horse holds a central place right they have a horse sacrifice it's metaphorical uh, but they also just talk about the horse as a, um, a metaphor almost for the universe itself and he's talking about um, uh, there's a passage from one of the Upanishads and they're talking about the horse as if, as if it were time and all the other things. And he says, sunrise and sunset, that is to say birth and death are the front and hind part of the body of the horse. Time expressed in matter. Day is the symbol of the continual manifestation of material things in the Vyakta, the manifest or fundamentally in sat, which is um, existence and infinite being. Night is the symbol of their continual disappearance in avyakta, the unmanifest, or finally into asat, the infinite non-being. But here's the, here's, the, here's the cool part. So he says, they appear according to the swift movement of this horse of the worlds as he gallops. Day 
is the greatness that appears in his front. Night is the greatness that appears in his rear. Whatever this time spirit, this zeitgeist, turns his face towards or arrives at as he gallops through time, that appears, or as we say, comes into being. Whatever he passes away from and leaves, that disappears out of being, or as we say, perishes. So basically, like one of my takeaways from that is it's like time and and things that appear are basically where you're headed. Right. We think of time as this sort of thing outside of us, but it isn't really. It's basically inside you. So time unfolds for you and things come into being uh, as you move into them. And things go out of being for you, right? Things go away as you gallop away from them. If you turn your attention away from them, you can leave a thing behind is basically the point of it, right? And, and, and basically manifest, you, you, you manifest reality by what you lean into and gallop towards. Yeah, and I think Andrew was talking about... Um, you know, out of other artists, he likes to see an arc, right? Because no, we don't we don't want to see stasis. We want to see movement is what's going on here in the becoming, and it's like uh, uh, the the most satisfying artist to watch, especially um, musical artists to listen to, is when it feels like you're on the horse with them going through time with them and i like bob dylan of course but he's kind of it's he sort of sets the standard for a lot of things about creative expression but andrew combs in a very similar way to dylan you can see through his albums this is my first question i said they're all very coherent you can sort of see what's happening to, you can hear what's happening to andrew like you know, through a veil and through a whatever, right? We don't know what's actually happening to him, but you can, you can, we're on a ride with him that is um, smooth, beautiful, but also the, you know, uh, the vista is changing the whole time. And it's like, what makes for beautiful art? So Andrew, your, ho- your work is like a galloping horse <laughs> per Sri Aurobindo. Thank you for the ride. <laughs> okay, I have a little something. <laughs> it's a little simpler, maybe. Um, but I love it. That I read was it. simple enough. <laughs> Andrew Combs' I, music is like riding a galloping horse. I Wait, agree ho- with oh, you. No, hold on, hold I on. Here's the end you. of that quote. Here's the okay. end of that quote. He says, These two greatnesses of the appearance of things in time and space and their disappearance in time and space act always and continuously so long as the horse is galloping movement yeah Chains. okay sorry okay Please. no so i'm going to read a little something it's from um an essay that is entitled life is a play of sun and shadow by muktananda uh and it says i love this when you recognize the self within an inner smile blossoms and the peacock of your mind dances in the fountain of the love of life. I love that. The peacock of your mind. <laughs> it's just trying to get all your attention all the time. 
And that's uh, by Baba, Swami Muktananda. So Andrew Combs has uh, this album called All These Dreams. Uh, and it opens with two unbelievable songs. One of them is called Rainy Day Song, and the next one's called Nothing to Lose. And you can hear in there um, uh, the the unfolding of an artistic expression, right? You can get you can hear his inner smile coming out. Um, Heart of Wonder, also uh, songs that opens canyons of my mind. Um, he's got a great song. It's a, it's it's a funny one. It's called Two Stone to Cry. <laughs> that's that's off of a uh, worried man his first one um but you know ideal man ideal man was the one that really locked me in stars of longing is one of the best songs mm-hmm. ever it's beautiful um and uh sundays the one he wrote during um quarantine and recorded a song a week imagine doing that imagine <laughs> um not only coming up with but executing a fully formed song right. <laughs> once a week. That's an artistic challenge, but also just like a beautiful thing to try to do. Um, so we got to go back and listen to all of Andrew's recommendations because yep. he gave us like five in there. <laughs> um, uh, listeners, get on the horse and gallop, right? <laughs> I don't think so you have any the, choice really, right? The horse is just doing its thing. So that the peacock of your mind dances in the <laughs> fountain of the love of life. Thank you, Andrew Combs. That's what you make us feel like. Uh, Thanks for listening. We'll be back in a week. Bye-bye. You've been listening to How to Tickle Yourself with your host, Duff McDonald, and me, Joey of Rockledge. You can help us by liking, subscribing, and sharing this podcast with others. You can talk to us and see what else is happening on Instagram and Facebook at How to Tickle Yourself. This program was recorded in Studio B of the historic Rockledge Recording Studio. Right Here, Right Now, our original 16-part theme music was written and recorded by the legendary Paul Reddick and Kyle Ferguson of The Sidemen, with Steve Mariner on bass and drums and in the mixing room. This podcast is produced and distributed by Storic Media. Our editor is Oscar Desiderio. Our producers are Kristen Verbitsky and Chuck Babella. For more information, visit storicmedia.com. That's S-T-O-R-I-C-media.com. 